It is great to be with you all again today. Uh, We're going to be in Psalm 119 to start things off. If you want to go ahead and flip over there. Uh, If you came in late, I'm sorry that you cannot see right now, possibly. Uh, This is by God's choice, not ours, because uh, I guess the storm or something, I don't know what it was, but we have absolutely no control over these lights. We can't even turn them off or on or anything. And so uh, that is the reason that it is like this right now. So for those of you who are keen to take a nap, I know this is going to be a little bit easier for you right now. Um, You know, maybe dig in deep and try and hang with us. But uh, we're going to be in Psalm 119, if you will stand. And I just, uh, I wanted to open up with this because it is a prayer that I have for us this morning. And so I want to read it, uh, not all of Psalm 119, it's like 175 verses, but uh, we're going to kind of bounce around in about four different verses in Psalm 119. And if you'll just kind of pray these verses with me, over our message today, and then we will open up in a word of prayer. So Psalm 119, verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And then 27 through 28 says, Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. That is our prayer right now, that God speak to us. So if you'll just join me uh, real quick, we're just going to do some internal praying. I want you to pray in this moment for yourself. God, just take this time to pray for your own heart, that God's word speaks to you. Psalm 119, 18, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And then I also ask that you'll pick somebody in this room, uh, maybe somebody on the opposite side, somebody right next to you. uh, Just pick somebody and say a quick prayer for them that God, same thing, opens up their heart to receive what God's word has to say. And then lastly, if you'll just say a quick prayer for me, that as I am the one that is delivering this, uh, just pray that God removes me from this and that he just allows his word and his voice to be spoken. And Father God, we need you right here, right now, as we are about to be in your word. And God, it is good and it is true. And so I just pray that as we just get ready to be in your word, Speak to our hearts. God, we need you, and it is in the name of Jesus that we pray this. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we're starting this new series today, and it's on spiritual disciplines. Uh, We're going to be going through it for about the next five weeks, and I want to kind of lead it off with this question. What would you say are the top priorities in your life? What are the things that you would say, I have, like, these are things that have to be taken care of? I mean, if you're uh, married or you have kids, you would obviously, hopefully, say your family. I have to make sure my family's cared for, my family's loved, my family is um, just provided for. 
If you have a job right now, you'd probably say, my priority is my job. If I want to provide for my family, then I'm going to also need some, some form of income to provide for my family. And they don't just give that away. They're starting to. But that just doesn't get given away very often. And so I need the means. So I'm going to have to work. Then you might also think, well, you know, life's not just about work, but also we like to have fun in our family. And so, you know, maybe going out, hanging out, getting together with friends. Maybe it's we really like to see our kids happy and they're happy whenever they're in sports or whenever they're in these extracurriculars. And my kids' happiness is my happiness. So maybe that's a priority. Extracurricular activities, uh, uh, games, sports, family nights. What would you say your priorities are? I would go on to say, what is most important to you? No, really, no matter what you say, you could have this list of like, these are my top 10 priorities. Like food, I have to eat because if I don't eat, I don't survive. And you could go all the way to fun and activities. You could come up with a list of 10 things that you would say, these are my priorities. But I would say whatever that list says may not even be true. Because what your true priorities are is what you are going to dedicate your time to. It doesn't matter what you say. It's what you commit your time to. I mean, if somebody, like my, myself, growing up, I always wanted to be a professional athlete. That is what I wanted to be. And it was like, if that were my priority, and I would say my top priority is to make it into the NBA, and you would look at my life, and you would see that I'm at home playing video games, watching TV, and eating potato chips and popcorn all the time, you would look at my life and say, making it to the NBA is obviously not a priority. It's something that he wants, but it's obviously not something that he truly has prioritized in his life because he is not putting forth the effort. He's not committing his time. And so I would say what you commit your time to, that is what is most important to you. I mean, look at professional athletes. They commit their time to being the best. I mean, they say that, like Kobe Bryant, when he was playing, put up a thousand shots a day because he was dedicated to being the greatest. You look at people who are like bodybuilders and professional uh, athletes that need to be in tip-top shape, and you bring out like a pizza to them that's covered in grease, and you say, hey, do you want this? And they're going to be like, no. I'm not going to have that because my priority is to be the best. And so I'm not going to be distracted with this unhealthy food. I mean, you look at people who are working jobs, who are uh, just really trying to make an income. And sometimes we try and really make an income. And so it's like, I'm going to put in 60, 70, 80 hours a week because my job is a priority to me. I mean, doctors go to school for years and then they go in debt, a big amount of money, because it is a priority for them to get that degree, to become a doctor so that they can help people. And they're willing to make huge sacrifices because what is important to us is also what we will sacrifice for. 
I mean, honestly, we're not in hunting season, so I can throw this one out there. Look at how many people hate waking up before the sun comes up, but when they know there is that possible 10-point buck waiting for them out there, it is like I will wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning so that I can go out and possibly get that trophy deer that I have been waiting for. And they will go out and see nothing, and then the next day do it again, and the next day do it again, and then the next year do it again. Because they hope, they see that as something that is important to them. And so just do a quick check on your week. On this past week, I I don't know how many hours we get in a week. 72 is three days, so 144. We have, math is not my strong point, we have over 150 hours a week. How did you spend that 150 hours this week? And then how you spent that 150 plus hours shows you what your priorities are. Obviously, sleep, for me, took up eight hours a night. One night, I got 12. I passed out super early. Laid down on the couch, didn't wake up. But what, when you look at your past week, is your life showing you, this is what I prioritize. This is what is important to me. Because honestly, I would bet, and I'm throwing this out there, a lot of it, a a minority of that time is spent on God. You know, we might throw 10 minutes a day in God's Word. We might spend 15 minutes driving down to our office, listening to worship music while our mind is focused on something else. We might set aside one hour on a Sunday morning to gather together with God's people, but let's not go over an hour and a half or else that roast is going to burn. Like we say, hey, God, he's number one in my life. But really, when you look at your life, and I, I did a heart check on myself. I want you to do a heart check on yourself. When you look at your life, is God truly a priority? How many times this week did you say, I'm going to wake up early so I can read God's word, and that alarm went off, and you hit snooze, and slept in until it was too late, got up, and rushed to the office? How many times this week did you say, I'm going to be intentionally with God in that television show or that whatever came up and you said, I got to take care of this or I just got distracted? How many times did we put God on the back burner? And that's what this series is going to be about. For the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at reprioritizing our life around what I believe are five spiritual disciplines. Because what's God told us? That he wants to be number one. God has told us he wants to be everything in our life. And he says, you can't serve two masters. And really, honestly, like we need sleep, we need food, we do need to make an income. But honestly, in America, we are making idols out of so many different things. And we're seeking after all of these other things that are worthless, that we're not going to get a take to heaven, that we're, they're really not going to do anything. They're going to pass away. They're going to break. They're going to become old, and they're going to become outdated. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 26, he told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Because whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake 
there you'll find it. For what will a profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What good is it going to do you if you say, oh man, I want that next $100,000. I want that next truck. I want that newest gadget. I want whatever it is, and I'm going to devote myself to it. And then you give up your soul. Jesus says, what will it gain a man? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And so what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at prioritizing around what God says is truly important. And this week we're looking at God's word, prioritizing God's word, taking time out of our day to say, hey, God, your word, what you say in this word is important enough that I'm going to put it above a couple extra minutes of sleep, and I'm going to put it above that TV show, and I'm going to put it above anything. I'm going to be with you because, God, your word is life, and I want to grow in that. So we're going to start with that today. And the reason behind all of this is found in Matthew 6, 33, where God tells us through Jesus saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. And so that's what this series is contingent, is hinging around, is what we want to do is we want to seek first God and his kingdom. Not America's priorities, not social status, not anything like that. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And we'll see life is found in that. And so this week we're looking at God's word. Because as we read in Psalm 119, that is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's 174 verses. And you know what those 174 verses are geared towards? God's word. As we talked about, God, may I hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God, open my eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law. God, let me meditate on it day and night. 174 verses, you're going to see how in love David is with God's word. That he sees it. God, your commands, your laws, they're not burdensome, but they're beautiful. They're freeing. They're where I find life. And so that's what we're looking at today. And I believe the way to do this, the way to prioritize God's word is to retrain ourselves, is to go through this spiritual training. Because you look at athletes, they spend hours in the gym trying to be the best that they can be. You look at military personnel, and man, they devote themselves to being everything they can because they see the importance behind what they are doing. They know so many lives back home depend on that, so they got to be at tip-top shape. I mean, we see them committing themselves to it. Christians are called to do the same thing. Because I don't know if you woke up this way thinking this, but you're in a battle. I mean, as important as American soldiers are, Christian soldiers are fighting a far greater cause. We are in a spiritual battle, and we have to be prepared. We have to train to be ready for that battle. I heard an author say it this way one time. Faith is like a muscle. If you don't use it, it will atrophy. We're called to constantly be using our faith, to strengthening our faith. We are constantly being called to train ourselves for this spiritual battle that we're in. Because honestly, what's happening if you're not training? 
What's happening if our soldiers didn't tra train? They would get put on that front line and they would be like, oh my word, I don't even know how to use this weapon in my hands and we have no tactical advantage. We don't know how to work as a team. We're unprepared and they're gonna lose. They're gonna get destroyed terribly. It's not gonna work out good. But so many Christians think that's the way it is. And I don't need to be in God's word. I don't have to actually dedicate time to studying and memorizing and reading it because when the time comes, I'll know what to do. And then that time comes, that temptation hits us. That struggle comes and we're like, <laughs> if only I knew what God's word said right now. Man, God, I wish you would talk to me here in this moment. And God's like, I gave you my word. I've spoken to you over and over, but we're not taking the time to be in his word. Because here's the thing, you don't get to determine when an attack happens. It's not like you get to sit there and be like, all right, Satan sent me an email that at 12 o'clock tomorrow, I'm going to be tempted with lust. So I need to start memorizing and preparing for that. And then at 12 o'clock, I'll just be ready. He doesn't act that way. He sets snares and traps. He likes to set up all these little tricks to try and catch us off guard. And so we constantly have to be ready. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 tells us, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We have an enemy, and we have to be prepared. That's what Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He's just looking for someone to devour. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6 tells us, hey, this is how you are going to fight this battle. For we, for the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to obey Christ. We're being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. And so we have been given weapons of warfare. Ephesians 6 tells us that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And so what if I told you, hey, Today, when you get home, or tonight, tonight, when you get home, say you're going to leave and uh, go grab dinner or something, you're going to come to our evening service, something like that, and then when you leave, somebody's going to break into your house. What would you do? Be like setting traps? Be like, I'm not going anywhere, I'm standing by the door with my shotgun, ready to have these attackers come in? Like, it makes me think of like Home Alone. Anybody ever see Home Alone? You know, where like he is left home alone and then he hears the robbers. They're starting to like break into all these homes and he overhears them. And man, what does he do? He gets out the, the ornaments and he breaks them and puts them right by the door. I mean, the kid is a genius. Like he set up every defense. Like for a 12-year-old kid, my word, he needs to be in charge of our national security. But it's just like this kid like booby-trapped his entire house because he was ready. He knew somebody was coming. We know the attacks are coming. So are we preparing ourselves for them? Are we training for them? Are we prioritizing being ready to give a defense? But you see, we're Americans. And Americans are busy. 
We love to fill our time. Oh my goodness, we love to see our calendar filled. I mean, we have so many possibilities to do. We live in southeast Kansas where people say there is nothing to do here. But we have done a darn good job of filling every minute of our days. Of going from sun up to sundown and then being like, I got to get to bed because I'm not going to be able to wake up in time. And honestly, too often we claim to be too busy to be in God's word. And I'm not saying like, no, you get your verse of the day. Like you might spend your five minutes like, all right, God's word spoke, so be it, let's go. And then you don't even think about it. But are you really in God's word? I mean, imagine if our military soldiers went out to the range, pew, pew, fired two shots, said, all right, we're ready for Al-Qaeda, let's go. It's like, no, you're, you're not even ready. Like, yeah, you know how it shoots, but you're not even sighted in. You don't even know tactics. Like, you are not prepared. And yet, that is how far too many Christians are living their lives in our spiritual battles. I mean, the truth is, we just don't prioritize it. I mean, every single one of us in this room has the exact same amount of time. All of us has 24 hours in a day. It's just that we're prioritizing that time way differently. Some of us are like, yeah, God's word's so important. Some of us are like, it's not that important. I'll fill my time with everything else. And so instead, we do what God told us not to do. Exodus chapter 20. Ten commandments here. Commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Commandment number two, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven alone or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the, under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, we don't have images that look like birds or snakes or anything like that. But instead, we have little rectangular images that tell us everything we want. I don't have time to read, but yet my screen time tells me that I have spent an hour a day scrolling social media. I don't have time to do anything, but yet I find two hours a night to watch TV. Or I find all this time to do everything else. But we have put all these other things above God. We're worshiping idols. They're not really created to look like idols, but we worship them. You know what God wants us to do? More than we're worried about our next paycheck, more than we're worried about even our next meal to eat, God wants us to prioritize Him. He says, hey, I want to be first. I want to be everything that you focus on. And you know, here's a common excuse even. Yeah, but I don't have to read God's word to be with him. You know, I focus on God while I'm cruising down the road, or I focus on God while I'm in the, in the deer stand, or I focus on God while I'm, you know, whatever. We, we say that, yeah, but I don't need to be in that. Translation, that's not that important. It's really not that important. And as true as that may be, that we don't need to be in God's word, that God's with us everywhere, it is so untrue that God's word is not important. So that was the introduction to the series. Like, all right, here we go. We're like, we're not, 
live streaming this, so I got y'all all day. I hope you're ready. Nah, but we're going to look at two reasons why we should prioritize the Bible. I want to give you that, because if maybe you're sitting there like, okay, but yeah, that's my excuse. I don't have to read God's Word to be with God, so why should I? It's outdated. It's boring. Have you read Leviticus? Like, my word, I fall asleep every time I get in it. Why should I read God's Word? That Old Testament part, it's old. That New Testament part, yeah, I'll live by that, but it's a little outdated still. Two reasons why I believe you should prioritize God's Word. Number one, God says so. I mean, if we believe God is ruler of the world, then we should believe that what God says is so important. Like, if he is the one with the owner's manual, then we should live according to that manual. And God's word tells us this is important. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Here we go. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Those words are what we have as scripture. They shall be on your heart. Teach them diligently to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you're walking by the way, and when you lie down, and even when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Excuse me. God is saying, this is so important, that these words that I'm telling you, this scripture that you have, should be what you think about when you rise, should be what you think about when you go to sleep, should be what you talk about when you're walking along the way, should be the most important thing that you are teaching to your children, like science is cool and all, but God's word is so much more important. It should be the thing that we are feeding into our children, because God says, this is important. This is the source of truth. But honestly, how can you do any of that if you're not in God's Word? How can you think about God's Word if you don't know what God's Word says? And how can you know what God's Word says if you're not spending time reading it, studying it, applying it to your life? And so the first reason that we should prioritize God's Word is because it is a commandment from God. He tells us this is this important. And then the second reason that we should prioritize God's word is because it has the answers to our life. It is telling us, hey, this is how to live your life. I mean, recently I bought a really cheap Ford Focus. It's been called a creep car multiple times as I've had it, but it gets really good gas mileage. But it's required a little bit of maintenance, as vehicles do. And I was uh, rotating the tires, and I was getting ready to put the tires back on, and I was about to torque them down, and I got to thinking I should probably look at how these tires are supposed to be torqued down. Because if I go too tight, I might break a bolt or something, and if I go too loose, loose, then all of a sudden my tire falls off and I'm stranded on the side of the road, and nobody's going to help a creep car. And so it was like, i got to get these right. So where did I go? the owner's manual, because it told me this is how tight, this is how to torque down your tires. So often it's like, God, what should I do in this situation? What should I do? How how do I handle this, God? What do I do when I'm in confrontation? 
Do I just hate the person? Do I just withhold forgiveness? Do I just go around talking to everybody else instead of that person? What do I do, God? His word actually tells us. Well, what do I do with my finances, God? How do I manage my income? God's word actually tells you. Well, what about parenting? There's an answer in there. What about relationships? God's word tells us. What about dealing with these situations? God's word has the answer to all of that. Whenever we want to know the answers to life, even before you go to somebody else, you should be going to God's word. I mean, even before you come to me and say, what should I do in this situation? Go to God's word, because if I don't tell you what God's word says, it's a failure as me leading you in that. It should be, this is what God's word tells you to do. Not this is what I think or this is what the world thinks. What does God's word say? Because he has the words. I mean, what Peter said when Jesus said, are you going to leave me too? Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We're going to stay with you. I mean, as the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? Young guys, young gals, you want to know how to keep your way pure? He answers it by guarding your life according to God's word. You want to know how to stay pure? How to live with fewer regrets? Apply your life to God's word. Apply God's word to your life. Verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God, your word is what is going to guide me because your word has the answers. I mean, think about all the times that you've been tempted and you've failed. Not a fun thing to think about, but all the times that we've struggled and we've been tempted and we just have failed, like 99% of the time, it's because I'm not focusing on God's word. I mean, look at Jesus. I mean, he was just baptized. He was just said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And then we are told the spirit led him out into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days and 40 nights without any food. He went out into the wilderness, had no food. And then we see in Matthew chapter four, Satan comes to him. And man, what is the first thing Satan does? He tempts him with food. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, I mean, 40 days without food, you're probably questioning that possibly. Like, delusional, I mean, I go two hours without food, and it's just like lightheaded, need some sustenance. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Because, man, Jesus, that's probably the number one thing you're wanting right now. I mean those stomach turn-ins. I mean, you're grumbling. You're, you've started wasting away. Like, man, wouldn't food be great? And you have the power. You're the son of God. Turn this stone into bread, and it'll be the sweetest bread you've ever tasted. And how does Jesus respond? He doesn't start, like, like uh, just relying on his own ability, but he goes to God's word. Verse 4, he answered him, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. I mean, yeah, as much as I want that bread, God's word is what satisfies me. They shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He was able to go to scripture and see no. And then Satan came back and was like, hey, how about I'll take you to the highest place. And how about if you bow down to me, all of this will be yours. And Jesus knows again, scripture 
You shall have no other God before the Lord your God. And then Satan's like, all right, I'm going to take you to the highest place. And how about you just throw yourself down from here? And God loves you so much. He'll send his angels because scripture says, you want to use scripture. Scripture says that he will not let you hit the ground. He'll send his angels to save you. And every time Jesus said scripture back, he responded, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. I mean, Jesus knew scripture and he relied on scripture when he was tempted. When you're tempted, what is your knowledge of Scripture to rely, to fall back on? I mean, if your only defense to be ready to stand against the schemes of the devil, devil is Scripture, how well are you doing? But we say things like, well, I just can't memorize. Well, I just don't have time. Well, I just, and we wonder, why is the world going the way it is? Because we're not prioritizing God's word. Why are churches going the way they're going? Because they're saying, eh, that's outdated. We're not going to prioritize God's word here. We care more about their feelings and them not being hurt and them maybe getting offended. We don't want that. God's word is offensive to those who are going against it. I mean, man, I hate having God's word tell me that I'm living a life of sin, but yet it's necessary. And so we prioritize God's word first and foremost. Not only is it used to combat Satan, it also is used to just tell us how to live life. 2 Peter 1.3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. It's through the knowledge. You know how we get that knowledge? By being in God's word. That's how you get knowledge of who God is. You realize what that verse just said? Well, I'm not a pastor. Well, what God's word just told you is that God's word has given you everything to be ready to share the gospel. Well, I never went to seminary. God's word is the only seminary you need. Acts chapter 4, 13. They saw that they were untrained, uneducated, ordinary men, but the power lied in that they had been with Jesus. I mean, that's what it takes, is being with Jesus. Well, I don't know how to do this. God's word will guide you in it because his word just said, he has given you everything, everything you need to live a life of godliness. It's all found in his word because his word is truth. Is, is truth. John 17, verse 13. I have the wrong reference up there, Pete. John 17, 13 says, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Jesus is praying to God and saying, God, your word is truth. Not the news, not what your friends say. Your word is truth. And then there's a third reason that I think, I, I know I said two, bonus one. Because it's literally God speaking to you. Like God's word is his word speaking to you. Every time you open up God's word, you take the time to push distraction out and be in God's word. He has a message he wants to share with you. I love the way that Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it. He said, when you read your Bible, pray. And when you read, read until something jumps off the page. And when it does, don't read for breath. Don't just keep on reading, but read for depth. Because it is then that God is speaking to you. I mean, so often, I'm guilty of this. Got to get through my chapter. 
Wow, God never said a word to me in that chapter. But it's like, actually, that jumped out to me in that chapter, but I sped through it. It's almost like we're like having that conversation with God, and uh, honestly, I'm guilty of this a lot of times, having that conversation with someone, but in the back of our minds, it's like, I really need to be talking to that person over there. I, I got it, like, all right, uh-huh, yeah, cool, uh, great, bye. And then we rush over here so that we can take care of what's important, and we do that with God. It's like, all right, God, yeah, John three sixteen, sweet, all right, good, cool, all right, you love me, bye. And then we rush over here, because I got the day to take care of, because I don't have time for that. But what God is saying is, hey, hold on, let's talk. I want to speak to you. I mean, what if we approached God's word that way? Where it wasn't something we had to get through, but it was something we wanted to get into us. We wanted to eat it like, man, I need this breakfast, but more than I need this food, God, I need your word. I mean, it happens with my wife all the time, where she'll be talking to me while something's on TV, and I'll be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, cool. And then she'll walk away, and I'm like, oh, crud. What did I just agree to? Like, what did I just say? Because I'm so distracted. We got to take that time to actually, I'm wondering how this is going to get back to me later. She's going to be like, are you listening to me? But like, that's how we need to be, where it's like, okay, hold on. going to shut this off going to turn my phone off, going to shut the TV off, shut off the radio, going to go into a closet or go where I have no signal so that I can be in God's word because God wants to have a conversation with us. I mean, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know, whenever we read the Bible, it's not an outdated self-help book, but instead it is God speaking to us. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Right there again. You want to know how to be equipped? Be in God's word. You want to know how to handle situations? Be in God's word. And you realize everything else is going to fade away. I mean, everything is going to happen and everything is going to disappear. Isaiah 40 verse 8 tells us, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Look at how many times they have tried to eliminate God's word. I mean, Germany, Bible burnings, like so many times in the past, hey, we're going to wipe out Christians. We're going to wipe out the Word of God, Bibles, but they can't. It stands. It continues to stand because people are prioritizing it. They see how important it is. People in China are getting it on written pieces of paper, handwritten, and they're memorizing it as fast as they can because they know when that guard searches, that scripture is going to be taken away. But they're like, man, I need this more than my meal. I'm going to skip eating because I'm going to devote myself to reading this. But here's the catch. None of this comes naturally. None of this comes naturally. None of this comes by just saying, all right, I'm going to sit back and just absorb God's word a little bit more. Put my hand on it, maybe through osmosis. Nobody sitting on a couch ever got stronger and developed a six-pack. 
and was able to bench press 400 pounds. It came by devoting themselves to it, by applying it. We have to prioritize, not only prioritize, remember, we can say one thing, but what are our actions getting devoted to? Just as athletes train, we train. And it might require giving something up. It might require saying, you know what, I'm not going to watch that sitcom this evening. But instead, I'm going to be in God's Word. You know what, I'm not going to throw all of these activities at my family, and then we're all too busy, but instead, we're going to clear out a night so that we can devote it to family worship and to reading God's Word. You know what, I really enjoy staying up late, but I'm, I'm going to go to bed an hour earlier so that I can actually wake up an hour earlier and be in God's Word. I heard this, and it revolutionized my thinking. It said that your days, your next day's routine starts the night before. And so, like, say you know you have to be at work by 8 o'clock. You know that it's a 30-minute drive. You know it takes you 30 minutes to get ready, and you want to work out for an hour before you go. And so usually it's like, all right, wake up at 6, work out till 7, get ready till 7.30, hop in the car, get there by 8 o'clock. And it's like, but I need seven hours of sleep, so I usually go to bed at 11. Well, how about tonight I'm going to bed at 10 so that I can wake up at 5 and be in God's Word and then work out and then get ready and then go to work. I'm going to make a sacrifice somewhere so that I can grow in God's Word. It's kind of like you're fasting. I'm going to fast from that hour to grow in God's Word. I'm going to fast from eating lunch so that I can grow in God's Word. I'm going to fast from television or from being on the phone or from whatever it is. What are you willing to give up to make sure that being in God's Word is a priority? What is it that God is asking you? And honestly, it's probably that one thing that you're like, "Mm -mm, not that. Like, no. Like, honestly, Heather and I, we, uh, I, I like to get in bed and boom, ready for bed. Um, she likes to kind of get ready for bed a little bit longer. And so a lot of times I'll get on my phone while I'm waiting for her. And I'll just be laying in bed and I'm on my phone and then she'll crawl into bed. And because I'm on my phone and I'm a poor spiritual leader at this time, she gets on her phone. And so the other night I was just laying there in bed and we're both in bed together on our phones not talking, wasting time. And she's called me out on this multiple times before about like, we should do something better. And so for like three days, we read and then I fall back into that routine. And so here it was just like, hey, what if when we're both in bed, we're not on our phones until we read God's word and we pray together. And it's helped a lot. We actually, just to be totally transparent, put money on it. And so, like, if I'm on my phone and she jumps in bed, she gets to give me one warning, and then I owe her $5. And I don't have a lot of spending money. Like, it's our our free spending money. And so it's, like, important. But it's like, that's how we're prioritizing, because you have to sacrifice something. So how are you going to prioritize something? You can steal our idea. That is free if you want to do that. But how are you going to prioritize it? Because again, we do this for things that we see are important. First Timothy 4, 8 says, 
starting in verse 7, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Because even though bodily training has some value, spiritual training, or while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Spiritual training is so much more important. So as much as you're willing to go on that run or go eat healthier, whatever it is, spiritual training is that much more important. Nothing compares to spiritual training. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, Paul puts it this way. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we're actually going for an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but instead I discipline my body and I keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. He hits on the athletic uh, athletic illustration there. In 2 Timothy 2.4, he hits on the military. He says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, but instead they focus on God because his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. As Christians, we should not begin distracted with all these side things, but our aim is to please God, our Father. But again, maybe the question is, okay, but why? Romans eight thirty two is the best explanation I can give. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Look at what Jesus spared so that we could be with him. Nothing. He did not even spare his own, own son, but gave him up for us all. And we can't give him extra time in our day. We can't give him extra time in our week. No, he did not spare anything. And honestly, this is not about following rules, but it's about growing in relationship. What would our lives look like if we said, I'm going to devote my time to being in God's word? Because again, his word is truth. And his word gives us the answers, but ultimately... His word is God speaking to us where he wants to grow in relationship with us because God tells us Romans chapter 1 through 11 is everything that God has done for us. And then Paul makes a transition in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and he says, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God because of everything that I have just said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Present your lives. Present everything about you. Don't just give him a little service here. He wants all of you. That's why we should prioritize God's word. And so the challenge is, what is God calling for you to give up so that you can be with him more and grow in his word? And are you willing to prioritize being in God's word to grow in your relationship with him? Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you withheld nothing so that we could be with you. 
I mean, God, as Romans says, you did not spare your own son, your only son, but you gave him up for us all. And so God, I just pray that as we are, are going from here and God, as already this week, our calendars are full, but yet God, you're saying, hey, I wanna be with you. I gave my son up so that we could be in relationship Help us prioritize being with you, being in your word. Help us see the value of growing in our knowledge of you and in our relationship with you. God, I pray that you work in the hearts of your people. I, I, I pray that for those who are not walking in accordance with your word, God, uh, as the psalmist wrote, open our eyes to behold the wondrous things out of your, out of your law, and God, let us hide them in our heart that we may not sin against you. God, just help us prioritize you above anything in our lives. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray this.